Have you ever tried to watch a game, whether it be in person or in the comfort of your own living room, and you're sitting there with someone that doesn't really care a whole lot about the game, but every so often that person says, hey, what's the score? What's, what's the score? I'm, I'm thinking when they say that, why don't you just watch the game? Pay, pay attention to what's going on, right? becomes a little annoying, but we are, as a nation, and in fact a world, obsessed with keeping score. And why not? When you put a lot of time and effort into something, you'd like to know how things turn out. You'd like to be able to, to keep score. And this is particularly true, obviously, in athletic events. I'm sure Courtney and Jordan can attest to that, right? If the score is ever wrong, you're going to point to that scoreboard and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you missed my basket, right? You missed my touchdown, right? So we've all been through that. So this is a morning in which my, several of my lives kind of converge, my, my role as a volleyball coach and here as a pastor. So this, as you can see, is a, uh, a scoring device. It's kind of a portable scoring device. We sit it at the table, and the kids will flip the score. The team that's not playing flips the score. This is common in a lot of various sporting events. But a lot of times, they've got a lot of other things on their mind, and they don't always pay attention. Now, cell phones have been banned at these tables for years now because too much of a distraction. But if someone happens to miss a point, who do you think screams the loudest, the players or the parents? You got it. You got it. So anyway, keeping score is kind of what we're about in, in a lot of ways. So if we were to maybe do a little exercise this morning, um, and we split the church right down the middle, and we kept track of the good things that people did on each side, but then we subtract maybe the not-so-good things, what do you think the score would be? That's a dangerous area to tread, right? So we've got, we've got the dark side over there, so we don't know, you know how that would quite play out. But anyway, it would be a dangerous undertaking, right? If we were to keep score, if we'd say, okay, I've got, uh, well, let's see here. Um, I've got three good deeds on this side, and I've got how many on this side? Ooh, eight. All right. So they're ahead right now. Uh, but... A couple more have come in, and all of a sudden it's 15 to 8. Ooh, okay, you guys got to catch up. All right, how do we do it here? We're tied. 15 all. That's sometimes the best way to do it, right? Just call it a draw, leave it at that, right? And I won't get into subtraction for transgressions, right? We'll just, we'll just leave that alone for today. Um, but really, you know, keeping score is integral to what we do in life. You know, you think about how often are we keeping score? It, we do it in our personal lives, right? We keep track of the good things we do, and then we sort of keep track of the things that aren't so good and how we're going to pay a price for that. So over the weekend, we had the bazaar, and I think that's a tremendous event. And again, I'm thankful to all of you for being part of that. Miriam said maybe the attendance wasn't quite what it's been in recent years, but we did have a guest here, and I was only here very early, actually, before it started because I had a volleyball match. Um, but so I had to leave. I didn't really see. But afterward, I, I'm guessing that there was a very special guest who was here. And the reason I know that is that this was left behind in the Singmar room. This is St. Peter's official scorebook. This is what he does to 
keep track of rights and wrongs. And unfortunately, as you can see, my name is on it. So I was a little nervous about opening up the book. But I will share it with you this morning because as a pastor, I need to be transparent. I need to be forthcoming. So I'm going to share this little tiny snippet of This Is Your Life this morning, okay? The official scorebook for John Finn. How does it, how does it play out? Well, let's open it up. Oh, well, this, this makes sense. I hate to give away my age, but it starts on June 5th, 1956. So now you all know, if you didn't know already, how old I am. That was where it all began, okay? That was when I came into the world, and each of you has that same uh, sort of entry, right? You have a birth date that marks the beginning. So early on, things are looking pretty good, right? I'm a young kid. Maybe I get into a little trouble here or there, but I don't know any better. So my slate is still white. There are no transgressions, no marks, no, no scores against me, okay? But unfortunately, as we go along here, uh, get a little bit older, and I sort of know what I should be doing, and you can probably see there's some X's there, right? Some things that maybe I didn't do so well. So, uh, so I've got, I've got some, some, some marks against me, okay? But I'm still a young person, and people are pretty forgiving. But then I grow into adolescence and adulthood, and it doesn't look real good here, does it? <laughs> got a lot of X's on the slate. This is a little concerning. I don't even remember all these things that I've done, right? But evidently, I'm guilty of, uh, well, some not so great behavior. So I accept it. I own it. And the pages that follow are a little concerning because there are, they are dotted by X's throughout. But then something, something happened in my journey and, and I think in, in your journey as well. There was a day when I came to the cross and my journey might be a little different from yours, although it might be quite similar. Many of you have probably had that magic moment when you met the Lord and, and everything changed. I was raised in a very devout Christian household, so I didn't have that dramatic effect, that dramatic impact, that dramatic experience. But there was a point at which I came to know the Lord. I can't tell you the exact date. I can't tell you where I was or what I was doing. But I knew the Lord. I knew who He was, and I knew what it meant. So at that point, I wish I could tell you that all of my sinning stopped. I certainly was more attentive to it. I tried to be more obedient. But, you know, we're all human. But interestingly, as I look in the book here, and this surprised me actually, the slate is clean. Not because I'm clean, not because I'm perfect, but because of the cross, because of the sacrifice and the resurrection that took away all of my sins. And for that, I am not only grateful, but I am quite humbled. So is it really worth it to keep score? Yes, we have to be accountable. But I think that the enemy works against us when you make a mistake or even you do something that you, you know ahead of time you shouldn't do, but you do it. And he keeps bringing it back to you. Remember when you did this. Remember that you did that. You know, you think you're, you think you're clean today, but you're not. That sin from a year ago, five years ago is still with you. But it's really not. 
It's been wiped away. The slate is clean. There are no more X's against you. Because of your belief. Because of your commitment. Because of your acceptance. Because of the path that you chose to follow. There are no more X's on your slate. Obviously, as we go through life, we continue to make those mistakes. But we have this opportunity. And we've already done it here this morning. But you don't need to be in church to do it. We have this opportunity to confess, to repent, and to reconcile. And we can do it anywhere, at any time. Now, theoretically, the more we do it, the more cleansed we become, the closer we come to the cross, maybe the less often we fall into these traps. We still do. We're imperfect. We're never going to be perfect. But as we follow the pathway of righteousness, we come closer and closer to his glory. So what does the Bible say? What does scripture say about keeping score? Where do we sit? With all of this. Well, if we review our scripture this morning, we uh, reflect on Psalm 130, we cry out, Lord, I have sinned against you. Let your ears pay close attention to my request for mercy. How thankful we are that the Lord does not keep track of our sins. If he did, who among us would have a chance, as noted by the psalmist? But once we confess and repent and reconcile with him, we are redeemed and we are cleansed. No need to keep score any longer. It's irrelevant. We have been saved. That's why he is so honored. That's why he is so noble. To take what he did... The insults and the pain, the disgrace on the cross through no fault of his own, no sin of his own. That was for us, even though it happened long before we got here. He did it for us so that we would be forgiven. So it's important never to lose sight of that because the enemy will drag you down and say, you know what, you're no good. You've got a lot of X's on your slate and you're never going to outrun them. But you don't have to because of the sacrifice that has been made for us. So when it comes to keeping score, we take our cue from him. Our entire being hopes and waits on God's promise of forgiveness. But guess what? We don't have to wait. It's already been taken care of. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ has taken out all of the guesswork, all of the waiting, all of the hoping. With one very important caveat. We already know this, but we need to hear it again. We must also take the scorecard that we may keep on others and toss it aside. Let it go. Forget about it. We don't need to keep track of the transgressions of others. But how do we do that? How in the world can we forgive and forget the wrongs that have been done to us? Well, the scripture from 1 Peter helps us in that regard. A very nice blueprint for us. We must first be of one mind, which we are, understanding that we are all one. Now, we do fall short of God's glory. However, we are with him, through him, 
and in him. We have an escape route. And we know what that escape route is. It comes through the cross. That's where we are forgiven. And that's where we have the opportunity to forgive others. If we choose to listen, that we are all of one mind, sympathetic, and in fact, lovers of our fellow believers. And oh, by the way, as followers of Christ, we are to be, directly from Scripture, compassionate and modest in our opinion of ourselves. In other words, no room for large egos. And here's the blueprint. Here's the game plan, if you will. Simple, direct. Do not pay back evil for evil or insult for insult. Instead, give a blessing in return. And that blessing begins with forgiveness. I forgive you for what you have done to me. Yeah, to be honest, it hurt. It bothered me. It ran a little bit deep. But through the grace of God, His abundant grace and mercy that He's shown to me, I forgive you. And I forget it. Forget it. Let's go. Let's start over. Let's begin anew. We were called to do this so that we might inherit a blessing. You mean there's a blessing in forgiving our neighbor? In resisting judgment? Yeah, there is. So here's more. For those who want to love life and see good days, you should keep your tongue from evil and our lips from speaking lies. Well, isn't that helpful advice in the current culture that we exist today? We should shun evil, do good, seek peace, and chase after it. Because the Lord's eyes are on the righteous, and His ears are open to their prayers. That's right. We already know that, right? He's right with us here today. You can feel His presence in the sanctuary. But guess what? When you leave today, He's still there. Right beside you. To walk with you. To talk with you. To lift you up in all that you do. So let us indeed shun evil. Do good. Seek peace. And chase after it. The Lord's eyes are indeed upon the righteous. So, to continue the sports analogy. He is our team leader. And he is the one. He's the only one actually. That can lead us to victory. But. This final disconcerting line of scripture. He cannot tolerate those who do evil. So not only do we need to turn our backs. On the darkness. On the evil. But we must also reach out to those. Who find themselves there. To take that risk to extend an arm. And pull them back into the light. So today. As we consider the gifts that we have, let us honor the word of God and obey it. Because if we do so, for all of us, using one final sports analogy, it's a whole new ball game. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you are our leader and you invite us to be part of your team. When we confess our transgressions and seek to reconcile with you, all charges are dropped and we are free from the burden of sin. But we must also do the same for others. We must also be forgiving 
and keep no record of wrongs, so that we may all rejoice as members of one triumphant team. This we pray in humble adoration to you, now and forever. Amen.